Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello and happy Halloween, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. In just a moment, we have Andy Staples joining us. If you're a college football fan, you'll want to stick around for that to try and figure out what's going on in college football. It's expanded a little bit based on the usual heavyweights and some newcomers, TCU, Oregon's coming on. Can these teams sneak into the Final Four? Is it going to be the usual um, customers when all hash is settled here? A huge game upcoming, obviously, down there in Athens, Georgia, in SEC country. Tennessee, plus nine down there. I'm surprised by that number, Eddie Spaghetti. You're sitting up there in Seattle. Happy Halloween to you. You went up there to watch your gents Take on the Seahawks. <clears throat> How you find in the city of Seattle so far? I, I love Seattle. Uh, I've been here once before for a few days, um, and I got lucky with the weather then. Got lucky with the weather again this time because they always say, you know, October, November, December. Obviously, the weather starts to turn. You really got to mm-hmm. come up here July and August. But we had sun on uh, Friday and Saturday, and the, uh, honestly, the weather was not that bad uh, at all Sunday. I don't think it really played a factor in the game too much. It was maybe light drizzle here and there, but totally fine. But I love it here. So much to do. Uh, great city. Great town of sports fans. Everyone wearing Seahawks, but really mainly crack and stuff too. And I wonder also if I was here before the Mariners were eliminated, how much Mariners stuff. There, there are a lot of Mariners hats, but man, the Kraken, the like everyone has taken over. I, I think it's a combination of just like finally getting a, a new team there. It's an, it is really insane to think about how Seattle really only had the Hawks and the Mariners, like two of the four major sports. When this is a major, major city, um, and the major city that loves sports, so everyone's wearing that those uniforms. Great color scheme, great arena. Um, really love Seattle. I'm jealous to be able to get to live here. Yeah, well, and also the home of your beloved Pearl Jam and all the yes. rest of it. So I'm not surprised you would enjoy it up there. Yeah, that's been my experience. I've been there three times, and each of the three times, I the, the locals explained to me, you are very lucky with the weather this time. It's not usually like that, but I have a, a, a weird sense of how great it is there because I've seen crystal blue skies and nothing but when I when I've made my journeys up there. And you mentioned the sports town. You know, it's funny, ironically or otherwise – what is it now? It's almost 15 years, I guess, or something like that, since the Seattle Supersonics ditched Washington and moved. They didn't just leave town with Kevin Durant, the Rookie of the Year, in tow. They they went to Oklahoma City. That's embarrassing if you're Seattle. And so began the Sonic Award, the worst, uh, the, the city... Uh, the sports town whose fans have suffered the most. This isn't who has the the worst winning percentage collectively among its teams, but who suffered the most. If you had high expectations for your team and they fell on your face or if they broke your heart in the playoffs or otherwise, that's a factor in uh, in the Sonic Award. I got to tell you, I might just pull the plug on it the rest of the year because I don't know how Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania doesn't get it this year. The Penguins with the heartbreaker against uh, against the loathsome rags. You remember that when that series happened last spring, Spaghetti? I think I that was it. that was a great time. Yeah, that was disgusting. And so, and now the Penguins are haven't started this season great. Pitt football after the glorious Kenny Pickett experience of 2021, back where they belong, 500. The Pirates is the Pirates. And then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers, two and six. Not great times there. They might take home the Sonic Award. And they've won it before. Pittsburgh might get it again. In the meantime, before we get into college football here, a couple of notes I wanted to give you the better. Um, the Al Michaels special upcoming on Thursday night. 
I, by the way, I've had Al Michaels. I get it. It's cute that he doesn't love the bad games and he is sort of the personification of NFL fans this year because a lot of games haven't been very good. But he's also making millions of dollars for this. He could he could have a little bit of a sunnier disposition. Uh, Sorry to, to get up on Mount Pius about it, but come on. But anyway, Al Michaels special getting another punishment here. The Philly Eagles, who hammered the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, now catch the Houston Texans. The Eagles are laying 13. The Bills are laying 13. And the KC Chiefs, this is the one that surprises me the most, giving 11 points to the Tennessee Titans. Those are all wacky. And as we always say on extra points when we get together with Cousin Sal, you know one thing's for sure. Double-digit favorites ain't all coming through in the same weekend there. Which one, Spaghetti, are you taking? You have to take one of those teams to cover those giant numbers in pro football. Uh, Eagles 13, Bills laying 13, Chiefs laying uh, 11. It's it's tough. I I am going to – I want to predict something, and I'm going to – I'm actually going to lay with the – the Eagles. And I, I think the reason why is because the Texans actually may ship off Brandon cooks. It seems like before the trade deadline, um, yeah, that's true. but the, but the thing that's annoying with the Texans uh, in regards to this bet is that they, to me, they're the team that like they could actually win when they're not supposed to win one. Davis Mills is not a miserable quarterback. They just team was kind of bereft of talent. Uh, I mean, besides really Damian Pierce in the backfield, but I, I think that, like because of this curse of Thursday night football. And I I think if they do move away, Brandon cooks, who by the way is like one of the most underrated receivers we've had in the NFL last few years, only guy NFL history to have a thousand yards with three different teams, three seasons in a row. Um, So whatever team gets him, hopefully my giants will be in luck, but I don't think he's, he's just wasting his time now as a 29 year old in Houston. They'll, they're going to move him. And um, the Eagles are crazy cooks. The Cooks career is the craziest it because is. he presents as a a nice fella. You never really hear like, boy, he doesn't really hit the playbook hard. Mm-hmm. Or like, he's a jerk behind the scenes. Why has that guy of all human beings moved around as much as he has? It's, he it's, he it's unusual, but I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, so, um, but yeah, I think the Eagles are a complete team. As much as it pains me to say this, I mean, in every facet of the game, they're good in. And Jalen Hurts, uh, a guy that you know didn't have a ton of buzz coming out of school, uh, all, like because of how he moved to Oklahoma and then national title game stuff with Tua, he is a good quarterback. Like I'll I'll admit it. Like I I was skeptical at first, and him and Sirianni together work magic. AJ Brown three touchdown catches last week. Like what a move to get him. They're they're scary good. Well, as far as that goes, I've been perusing on Caesars um, all the the future plays out there. The Bills are the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 240, and there are the Eagles at plus 500, Chiefs at plus 700. And then after that, you know, the Cowboys, surprisingly, 16 to 1 behind the Vikes at 15 to 1. And there are your Niners. And I, I get the narrative is that the NFC is softer than the AFC is. Um, but between the Eagles and the NFC East together and um, you, the, the Niners there at 12 to one feel like an interesting play. You may not love Jimmy G. You may not that you may think you see the ceiling where it is, but it's hard to argue with the results with him under center and CMC going into L.A. Once again, a tale, maybe not as old as time, but since the time that the Rams hired McVeigh and the Niners hired Shanahan. The results are in. Shanahan owns McVeigh. It's almost weird that they lost that NFC title game um, within the past year there. I'm looking through also the division 
favorites here. And believe it or not, the Vikes are close to the Bills in terms of how prohibitive a favorite they are to win their division. The Packers are now plus 800 to win the NFC North is crazy. And the Vikes are minus 1,100 to hold on there. I think that's wacky. The Seahawks plus 300. That's an interesting one to play, I think. The Niners are minus 135 to win the division. They're looking up at the Seahawks right now. That's a surprise. You may want to lay a little something on Geno if you're a believer there. Um, like I say, Bills is prohibitive as it gets, but the Dolphins, it does matter. I don't Listen, I don't think the Dolphins are going to win it, but they're a different team with Tua versus their backup QBs. If you're a risk taker, if you want a fun bet, the Dolphins did beat the Bills once head-to-head. If they, it's not a, a small matter, but if they could beat the Bills up in Buffalo, it becomes interesting, and uh, they're 10 to 1. As it sits currently, Titans, talk about when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Man, they are now minus 275 to win the South. The Colts are looming there at plus 430. I think the bottom line is maybe nobody's good in that division. Um, and the Cowboys plus 475 behind the Eagles. I mean, long way to go here. Let's not get swept up and be prisoners of the moment here. That Cowboys defense ain't jive. And with Dak back in there and cooking a little bit more on Sunday. But here's the one, Spaghetti. I'm sorry. This was all me vamping to get to the to the NFC South. The Buccaneers are still your favorite to get it. And looking like they are, I mean, I know it's Tom Brady. And I'm with Sal that maybe they don't have to catch a get on a heater here to win the division there are enough games for them to win but are you buying the Falcons still at plus 240 and they're the Saints at plus 460 that they should be looking up at the Buccaneers right now who's your play right now if if you're putting a, a unit or 10 on one of these NFC South teams to take it home I mean I wouldn't feel great about any of these teams um, they're all missing players they're all they like, all dealing with injuries uh, the Falcons are with Patterson uh, obviously the you, we see what happens with the Panthers with both quarterbacks injured trade away McCaffrey somehow still you know they won a game they're in a game uh, I guess they're gonna keep DJ Moore but I don't think they should uh, you know and they fire their coach so that that to me like it but it makes no sense as a division then you look at the the Saints obviously they, they miss guys every single week Um I, I don't want to say the Bucs because I think that Tom Brady is finally dealing with age. He's finally not focused on football, but I think there's just enough talent there with the defense. Leonard Fournette's been catching the ball, and he's been really, really good. If they didn't actually have him, they'd be a lot worse. And they still have the receivers, like, win healthy. So I just think if Tom plays – It doesn't make sense. I agree. But you know what, though? I will say this. Tom Brady maybe just got old. And as I've said for at least 15 years now, the cliff is severe for NFL QBs. It doesn't make sense. But when it when a QB gets to the cliff, it is a swift and and harsh drop off. It is not a gentle decline into the good night. So if that's the case with Brady at 45, he beat the odds. He really didn't defeat father time but he did hold him off as well as anybody in the history of big time professional sports legitimately but maybe it finally has caught up with him and then I do like the Falcons Marty Weiss on extra points said a couple of weeks ago and I kind of laughed the Falcons I mean that's I get that's a fun bet but obviously that's not going to come true I do think you should sprinkle a little something on those Falcons at uh at plus 240 there 
And I also like the Cowboys. I know the Eagles. This is the time to make these bets, though, people. This is when when the Eagles look unbeatable because they have literally been unbeatable so far this season. Now's the time to to jump in on the Cowboys. No offense to your gents. I just don't think no, they're gonna they're gonna do it at plus uh, you know at, at eleven to one. But you know what? No, I don't think so. But I also I also say the same thing that jump on you know the Cowboys because the Eagles look dominant. Jump on the Bucks because the Bucks have looked pretty bad because Tom Brady even being old and being. 50 65 percent whatever he was is better than marcus mariota pj walker Andy dalton or Jameis, or whoever they th- they tried at a quarterback there the nfc south qb group is brutal and those teams don't have a guy like playoff lenny fournette they don't have the receivers they do and the defense is is still stopping the run like there's still a good defense that has been battle tested in the playoffs which is why it's hard to shake the bucks they got to get healthy. That's the thing on the back end for the Bucks. But also, I think Rashad White, White is going to take more and more of the touches away from Lenny Fournette as it um, goes along here. The one bet I remain bullish on, it's not available right now because we're um, in the midst of games uh, or the, of the week, still not concluded yet. But be on the lookout. I know I keep saying it. This is the time. Talk about buy low. By the Pittsburgh Steelers season win total. I, I may drop after the hammering in Philadelphia. They are going to get over five and a half. A lot of the cynical Yinzers don't like it. Dave, you're crazy. Dave, they, 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 they might win three games this year. Yeah, they might, but they're not going to. They're going to win in the range of seven to nine games still. They are going to come on in the second half of this season. Even if you don't like it and you think they should tank out and get a top five pick, it's just not going to go that way. They're too talented. Once they get T.J. Watt back, they should be three and five, and they would be if they had their best player available to them. Big difference, it feels like, in the way this pro football season is shaping up between two and six and three and five. You're not out of it at three and five. Two and six, you ain't making the playoffs. Um, Anywho, let's talk college football now with one of the great voices in the game of college football. And also, we'll talk some food with our guy, Andy Staples, right now, well, after this quick break. Hey, listen up, sports fan. This message is for you. Your first bet with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, it's on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code CZRFULL and place your first bet. If you win, muzzle tough. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks, game tickets, experiences, and more. And because Caesar plays by the rules, here comes the lengthy, responsible gaming disclaimer. 21 and over, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or our nation's capital. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT. Step, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text 
Hope NY, Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1 800 889 Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Here we go. Just in the nick of time to make sense of the chaos that we're seeing in 2022 college football. You know him from The Athletic, The Andy Staples Show along with Ari Wasserman, always good stuff. In fact, I just consumed it on YouTube in preparation for this show so I could keep up with his insights on the great game of college football. Also on Sirius XM, it's our guy Andy Staples. What's the poop, fella? What's up, Shaq? How are we? What a pleasure to see you once again. You're enjoying college football this year. A little less certainty than what we've seen in the last half decade or so. There's, there is at least a conversation to be had about who's going into this final four, right? Not just one outlier, but there are multiple teams that can yeah. make a case for being a part of the four team tournament come there, uh, Christmas time, right? There are 13 right now that based on committee precedent, you could say they're still eligible. Now I would argue that LSU also is still eligible because if hmm. in some way they, you know, if somehow they win the rest of their games from Alabama this weekend on, then I think they would be the first two loss team to make the playoff. It's, it's similar to 2017 when Auburn won the SEC West with two losses, and had they beaten Georgia in the in the SEC title game, they probably would have gotten in. So, thirteen or fourteen still in the in the mix, which I feel like is a lot more than we're used to in the first week of November. So I will take it. I, I'm I'm enjoying that. Yeah, as uh, as Eddie Spaghetti and others keep pointing out. Uh, of all the years to hear we're finally going to get an expanded tournament it's too bad it can't arrive right now because this is the first time it would be compelling so um before we dig in there the thing that strikes me as i open my eyes uh to start a new football week is that georgia is laying nine for tennessee first of all i was stunned by you know i always point to um as a as a good recent example Syracuse, I, I I hammered the Irish um, mm-hmm. going into this one because Syracuse has just come off. These are 20-year-old human beings. Yep. And, you know, they have to get up two weeks in a row for monster games for, you know, the profile of the program and everything else. And it looked like they had Clemson whipped down there at Clemson. Of course, they were going to have a letdown game here. Ergo, um, Notre Dame gets them. 
by the same logic, I am stunned that they didn't beat UK, that they destroyed them in front of a massive game against Georgia upcoming. How say you on that one? What does it tell us about Tennessee? I was surprised that it was as dominant as it was, especially the defensive performance. Uh, they forced some turnovers that that really just crippled Kentucky's offense, and it got Will Levis pressing, and it just it, it's kind of snowballed on him, got worse and worse. And you know, it, I kept wondering with that Alabama game. Usually, Tennessee's schedule goes Alabama, open date, and then somebody else. Usually, it's South Carolina. The, the SEC has changed it around now, so they get Kentucky. And and I was thinking, okay, if they'd had the open date. That might have been a problem because then you're just celebrating the Alabama game. But they had to come back and play UT Martin, which they weren't going to lose. But it did sort of give them a chance to refocus. And the other thing, I, I was in Knoxville all last week and, and talking to, to players and coaches. And the, the one thing that struck me is, at least for the players, they went through so much crap at the end of the Jeremy Pruitt era that I, I don't think they're particularly worried about how the good things are going to affect them negatively. Like hmm. they have a pretty good sense of perspective. Like, hey, things were pretty crappy around here. So now all of this is gravy. So how about we just keep working hard and try to keep winning? Well, first of all, in the UK game, I am I am an opponent of every football team solving whatever um it, whatever issue their uniforms have by just going head to toe black. But let me just tell you something. Those Vols head to toe blacks were something else. I like it, right? I usually don't like it when somebody who has a pretty iconic uniform does something different, but that looked sharp. Like it, really it just did. it looked like it. Sh- they'd always had that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It was that. You know what it was? It was the absence of any white. It was that. Right. It was so severe, black and orange, and that's it. It looked and, and it, that it orange looked is. Smart. So that orange is so bright. You know, it's the it's the color right. of the daisies that grew on the hill where the original campus building stood. That's why it's it's a different orange. I don't have the Pantone chart in front of me, but it's a different orange than all these other Syracuse, Florida, Auburn, all of those. And so, yeah, it really pops off the black. Yeah. That, and it's also not burnt um, like that. <laughs> not burnt like down there in Texas. <laughs> um, but but how say you? Are you surprised by that number that that Georgia is laying nine points to yeah. end in hooker? The prohib- I, I wouldn't say prohibitive favorite. And in fact, you know, I think Stetson could consider or as recently as four days ago, I was saying like people are not talking about Stetson Bennett getting the Heisman Trophy nearly enough. And the long odds for him are pretty juicy there. I don't think he's going to get it, but I think you might even be able to make a case that the winner of this game might get those accolades. But you, um, on your podcast, made a fascinating point that the loser of this game is in real good shape anyway because mm-hmm. it allows them to probably avoid the uh, the SEC title game, yes? Yes, but also the winner of this game doesn't necessarily have to win the SEC title game. The winner of this game if they can go 12 and 0 in the regular season is going to be in the position that Georgia was going to the SEC title game last year, where if you win great, you're the number one seed. If you lose, you're probably the number three seed. I mean, mm-hmm. that's because it's because you're probably play, playing Alabama. Now if it's LSU, maybe that's a different story, but you're probably playing a one loss Alabama, one loss Alabama. If they win, the SEC is making the playoff. And if it's close and especially if it's Tennessee and you've already beaten Alabama, then you have a situation like Georgia and Notre, I'm uh, sorry, like Clemson and Notre Dame in 2020, where they both get it. Um, but 
I just I think when the winner of this game is in the ultimate power position in terms of the playoff because they just need to finish the regular season undefeated and don't get blown out in the SEC title game. That's it. And then everybody else is going to be fighting for for that the other three spots. But the loser of this game, yes, it, it, as long as the winner wins the SEC, they'll have a very good resume and a very good chance to make it. Yeah, I mean, I know, obviously, again, back to the point about these being 20-year-olds primarily, and there's a stumble perhaps out there. I just don't I, – I can't conjure. I'm, I'm, I don't have as you're not, you're uh, not You're not seeing the path of Missouri beating Tennessee? I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think the Commodores are, are going to show up and take them down <laughs> in, in that big one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think people who are non-SEC, I know it means more, um, but uh, non-SEC people like me, there's just just clear this up. We're not going to see three SEC teams taking up four of those so. slots. There's no chance of that. Right. There's no yeah, I- path that would allow for that. A few weeks ago, I, I was on another podcast and I, I did put out a, uh, a four-team SEC playoff scenario. I think that has sort of fallen by the wayside. I don't think there's a three-team SEC scenario either. I, uh, now, the one scenario I think was very interesting and I do feel like is a possibility, somebody's going to knock off TCU because if TCU keeps winning, right, I, by all means. And I actually think a 12-1 and one TCU that wins the Big 12 should be in there too. But – there's a there's a path to two SEC and two Big Ten, which right. would you know, given everything we've seen off the field in the sport, that would be sort of telling. Like we, we're calling them the Power Two now, anyway. That would just be, and and I do wonder. Like I, I know they're working hard to try to logistically start that twelve team playoff in 2024. If it was two SEC and two Big Ten, I imagine the other leagues would be like, "Can we just start in 2023? Like, let's figure it out. Let's do it. <laughs> Enough of this crap." Well, but I, I think you and me park our cars in the same garage on this. We wring our hands about like, I don't want my team can't get screwed at the end of all this. The the weekly updated chapter book that is college football, these things tend to resolve themselves yes. by the end of it. Once we get through title game Saturday, I think it'll be a pretty clear picture because it and, and I'm basing that off of having watched college football yeah, and various forms of. Yeah. Yeah, it always it always ends up at worst there's one team on the outside that's kind of like we deserve the shot at worst I think. Who is that team to you on Christmas? Let's jump into the time machine. Jump about um jump about, you know, 7 8 weeks into the future here. It's Christmas. Hey, you look a little down in the dumps. You're not uh, you're not drinking your eggnog with the, with typical cheer. Why is that? Who, what, what team is a little down in the dumps as they try to try to force down that eggnog? Twelve and one Pac-12 champ Oregon, hmm. because Tennessee beat Georgia on a last-second field goal this week, then went on to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, and it came down to Georgia at number four and Oregon at number five, and that Georgia Oregon head-to-head result. There was you could not argue against that. It did not matter what else happened. You could not argue against that utter domination. Sorry, Ducks. Better luck next Christmas time, <laughs> sure. I guess. Um, so resolve that one for us. I know uh, that you have some thoughts on on what's upcoming here. And boy, this is – I know Bama, the big bully goes out saying everything else, the signature win in Knoxville and everything else. But this is now 
the latest greatest game of the century here. I mean, this is the reigning national champs. I don't, you know, are we fully absorbing the significance of this because it's an SEC showdown? By the way, Tennessee should be number one. Talk about merit. I know that by right. the end, by by Saturday, it'll, night, all, it'll we'll, all figure we'll itself it out. Is. Yeah, if they if they win, they'll be number one. So. But they should be number one anyway, just as yeah. just, just going forward. This is what I talk about, what I bellyache about, about self-validation from the people who create these polls. Obviously, Tennessee's body of work to this point in the season has been superior to Georgia's. It doesn't make any sense. Of course, I, 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 I'm bellyaching about something that, as I say, by the end of the week will have figured itself out. But how say you on this one? Am I are you with me that that number is a little bit high for Georgia, given yeah. what Hendon Hooker and company have looked like um, so far this season I, on offense? I mean, they, they're pretty close to unstoppable. Yeah, I would probably give them the maybe the the, the three point home field advantage and maybe a couple extra. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, having seen Tennessee in person, especially. First of all, this is not a smoke and mirrors type offense like. They're good up front. Their offensive line is is very good, and and they can do all kinds of different things. You know, it's not just they're running inside zone because you're tired and they're gaining yards at the ground that way. They're running gap scheme, zone scheme, uh, man scheme. They're run, they can run power. They can do all that stuff. And then there are elite athletes on the outside. Now they may have been under recruited elite athletes. Like Jalen Hyatt was under recruited because he was very slight coming out of high school. He, he was it's kind of the Devonte smith story except probably skinnier than Devonte smith coming out he was 155 pounds coming out of high school and mm. so he's 185 right now and runs you know the the scouts say he'll run four three at the combine and so he's really fast you cannot cover him with a safety at one point kentucky tried to cover him with a linebacker with hilarious results uh, so they have incredible athletes running this offense. So it's it's not like, in, in a lot of cases, a, a team of Georgia's quality with, with those sorts of athletes on that defense. You can run up against a team that has a great scheme that's been scoring a bunch of points, and they just get completely locked down because they're not used to playing that level of athlete. Well, they've already played that level of athlete against Alabama. Now, it's basically the same defense. It's at Nick Saban's former defensive coordinator is the head coach at Georgia. So it, it's very similar. They're going to be now Kirby Smart will have kind of cheated off Nick Saban's paper a little bit and maybe come up with some other ideas. But I do think there's a chance that that Tennessee scores on Georgia the same way they scored on Alabama. Now, mm, wow. Here's so you don't problem. think Georgia's defense in 2022 is a tick better, at least than Bama's? I think they're both pretty good. Hmm. Bama has the 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 better pass rush. Now against Tennessee, that's not as big of a deal because Hendon Hooker catches the ball and throws it a lot of times, and it doesn't matter how good of a pass rusher you are, you're not getting to him. Mm-hmm. But he's also big and strong and can move, and so it's hard to get him down. So if Georgia can get in his face, get him down, that's that's something Alabama struggled to do. You know, Will Anderson, who's the best pass rusher in the country, just could not get past Darnell Wright in that game the Tennessee right tackle. And so the the thing that I think is is maybe different about this is Georgia's offense and the way they are set up to beat you in a lot of different ways. Alabama's offense, you know, if Alabama has Jamison Williams and John Mechie like they did last year, they're so explosive offensively, they probably would have just outscored Tennessee. 
they don't have the elite, elite receivers this year who can separate the way the way Tennessee's receivers can. And now they have Jameer Gibbs, who's an incredible tailback, very versatile. But Georgia has a better stockpile of offensive weapons. They, they've got the backs who are really good, uh, but the tight ends are awesome. Brock Bowers, you were mentioning Stetson Bennett for the Heisman. I, I think we fall into this trap of just assuming it should be the quarterback. And yeah, I you're so right. I, that was the, I, it's exactly as it was. The words were coming out of my mouth. I was thinking about, but I, yeah, what I, I about this, the other guys. I did this a few years ago. I had Kyle Trask, I think, second or third on my ballot. And in hindsight, I look at Well, in that Florida offense, it should have been Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was the alien. He was the reason that Florida's offense mm-hmm. was so dynamic. Well, who's the reason that Georgia's offense is so dynamic? Brock Bowers. There is no tight end who does what Brock Bowers does. I mean, you can force feed in the ball. You could line him up at tailback and hand it to him, and he would be effective. But they they are great at getting him open. But then you've got Darnell Washington, who's just a monster, and I actually think might be more productive as a pass catcher in the NFL than he is at Georgia because he won't be surrounded by so much tight end talent. Uh, and then they've got they've got a freshman tight end who's really good, and then they've got guys on the outside that can burn. Which again, Alabama did not have that the way they used to have that. And and I think that's a problem for them. But Georgia can stretch you vertically and they can also pound you inside. They have a lot of ways to score. They also have a lot of ways to score in a very methodical fashion. They can control the tempo of a game a lot better than most teams can. And so potentially they could control the tempo and, and you keep him and Hooker off the field. But again, because Tennessee can do so many different things in the run game, I'm not sure you that that matters as much. Like you could try to hold the ball for seven minutes and score, and then think you know hope that Hendon Hooker being off the field is out of rhythm, and all of a sudden they go three and out. But they they are pretty good at figuring out ways to move the ball, whether he's in, in rhythm or not. So that that's the the tricky part. But if Georgia can do that, if they can get a long scoring drive, follow that with a three and out or a turnover, and then another scoring drive. That's where you can really tr- change the tempo of the game, suck the momentum away from Tennessee. So I do think Georgia is the better team still. I, I think I, if you're asking me to pick who wins, I say Georgia. That's a lot of points, though, that, that nine yeah. point spread. I, I'd, lo- I'd like to see it less than a touchdown. It's funny because they, uh, as you as you say, the dogs are an offensive juggernaut themselves. But I'm with you that Kirby Smart is inclined to try and grind the Vols ever so slightly. They are going to try. I mean, relatively speaking, um, they are going to try to keep Hooker and company off the field a little bit more. But which is ironic, given what their offense can do to pretty much anyone they go up against. Either way, I can't wait for this one. But Hooker. 24-25, maybe by the time you're you're have me and Staples in your ears right now. He's, I mean, he's about to turn 25 years of age. Um, Kenny Pickett, first-round pick, 24 years of age, one of the young QBs that ain't exactly thriving at the pro level. That's nothing, though, compared to Trevor Lawrence. In my lifetime, Staples, I'm an older man than you. There have been three guys that – can't miss a QB. Scouts get yep. a lot of stuff wrong, but they did not get wrong these names. John Elway could not miss. That was the yep. first one I was aware of in my lifetime. Like, this kid at Stanford is is surefire. Then there was Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Then there was Andrew Luck. The scouts collectively, three for three. 
Is there any chance? Wasn't Jeff George one of those guys too, though? No, he was because he was he was flighty, and you knew it um, because. What 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 was the the journey for him? I saw him. In fact, yeah, he I went to Illinois. a game with he was, my old. He was he was not he was not the he was not an infallible in Illinois, like the other guys were in college. Yeah, right. Well, before that though, I saw him play at Purdue, and he jumped. He and uh, his pals, the Boilers, jumped on the Pitt Panthers. It was fourteen mm-hmm. nothing. I think like literally maybe four minutes into the game, and then. I think the final score was uh, 42-14 Pitt. But um, but for a second there, you're like, oh, this is the kid everybody's talking about there up in West Lafayette. Um, but is there any chance, by your estimation, that the scouts got it wrong with Trevor Lawrence? Because the results have been mixed at best. I keep thinking it's he's going to break out of it. Me too. They, I thought he had play. broken out of it right. as and of they, week one. They keep playing these games where one play would turn them. Like in, in the London game on Sunday, he throws the pick in the end zone. If they've punched that in from one yard out, they win the game. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like it, it's close enough that it can still turn to the right way for him. But I don't know. The decision-making is is questionable. And does it get better? And I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. Um, is there, are you surprised by in the QB league? And, and, you know, I keep pointing to this, like, you know, it's the opposite of think uh, globally, act locally. It's kind of like you can tie yourself in the knots as a Steelers fan. They, Kenny Pickett, not been great so far. Um, but Neither is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady yeah. or Russell Wilson and so on. A lot of NFL teams are struggling at QB and putting points on the board. But look around the last couple of years, and we were in a run of like, it's a factory. I'm big on uh, QB saturation in the NFL, that there are now more human beings can, uh, capable of playing decently at the NFL at QB than there are slots for them. But Man, these last two two classes have me questioning whether or not that's the truth. Are you surprised by Justin Fields and Mac Jones and, like we say, Trevor Lawrence and Kenny Pickett and so on and so forth? I'm surprised by Lawrence. The other ones were kind of you just never know. And then last last year's class, I said all along, don't take any of these guys if you expect them to start in 2022. That's that's not who these people are. That the, there may be some developmental type picks that you can work with. And I do think that matters. I think the way that, that Andy Reid brought along Patrick Mahomes matters. I think the way that Jalen Hurts was brought along in Philadelphia matters. If you'd thrown Jalen Hurts in right away, I don't think he would be having the success he's having now. I also think it, it helps to have coaches that, that are willing to, to mold what they do around what you are. I think mm-hmm. Brian Dable did a, fa- a fabulous job of that in Buffalo with Josh Allen, because I was wrong about Josh Allen because I was like, completion percentages don't just go up when you go to the, the tougher league. Like, that doesn't happen. Well, it turns out it does if you're superhuman and you have a coordinator who is very smart and willing to say, you know what? I realize this is what my offense looks like, but here's what you do great. So let's just, let's focus on that. And I think you're, you're seeing that with with quarterbacks, but you also they were given time. Like Patrick Mahomes was not thrown to the wolves immediately. Alex Smith played that first season in Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes got to learn 
And and there's certain things that you've got to learn coming out of some of these offenses. Like the Patrick Mahomes played in a in, in an air raid offense. He had a lot to learn. He had to learn to, to take snaps under center. He had to learn to have his back to the defense at times. He had to learn to, to set protections. That's not something he was asked to do much in college. So you need time with stuff like that. And and most of these NFL coaches don't have time because they're about to get fired. So that's I think that's the tricky part. Like nobody who was in the quarterback class last year was one that I'd be like, you can just put him in and he'll be great right away. And like next year, Bryce Young is the guy I, I feel most confident in in terms of intangibles and everything else. But he's an outlier in terms of size. You know, I kind of agree. I'm not trying to be cynical about that yeah. kid, the latest Bama guy. But I, I see the same thing that uh, the concern I had with two all along. Like nobody. Am I the only one who's crazy who notices how small he looks even on the college oh, two is, field? Two is not small. Two is thick. I mean, compared to Bryce Young. Like I think I think two even even in SEC games, it stood out to me like, really? Definitely that guy. Not, like he's the two, prototypical QB for the NFL. Two has got big legs, big butt, you know, like and Kyler's thicker, Baker's thicker, even though they were smaller. Hmm. Bryce Young is not thick and he's five, five, ten. And he's that's, five foot ten. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was that little. Yeah, maybe five eleven. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if he gets on his tippy toes when when they measure him at the combine. But he's a smaller guy. Now CJ Stroud's bigger, but if you if you ask me which of the two I want to take, I want to take Bryce Young because when there's pressure on Bryce Young, whether he sees it with his eyes or not, he sees it. He feels it. Mm-hmm. If you watch that Penn State Ohio State game, and it was this is not the only time this has happened, but there were some plays in that Penn State Ohio State game where. You're just yelling at your TV, look out, CJ, look out, because somebody's coming right at him and he doesn't even notice him. And it's not its not like an unflinching, like I'm going to stand in this pocket and throw it. It's I don't see that person coming at me. And like that's in the NFL, that's career ending right there. Like you, you can't do that. It is that 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 uh, chicken or the egg. Can you coach that into somebody to take the step forward, the the physical step forward in the pocket to evade the pressure? Tom Brady and Drew Brees, neither a great scrambler, always made it look like why can they negate pressure the way they do? It's It's, because they they can change the angle with with a slide forward. Whereas you see in the early returns, not to make this about Kenny Pickett, but you see his inclination is to bail to his right. And right. he drops and Kenny, himself. And Kenny Pickett, a better athlete than Tom Brady. Right. Like Kenny Pickett running with the football can can outrun people, but it's it is more about your sense of of pocket awareness. And you know, Bryce Young to me, it's always been amazing to watch him in Alabama because he just it feels like he's just floating back there in the pocket, and mm-hmm. he he'll take off when he has to, but his first instinct is I'm going to keep this alive and force those DBs to cover my receivers for a long, long time so I can make a throw. And eventually, and the thing is, he doesn't make a dumb throw after he scrambles around. Like Caleb Williams at USC, I think will probably age out of this. But like when he was at Oklahoma as a freshman, you'd see him, he's amazing at scrambling around. And he'd scramble around and you'd see him like, pointing to the receiver. Like like when you're playing backyard football with your friends, like, no, 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 now go here. Every time he did that, it was going to be an interception or something that should have been an interception. Like Bryce doesn't have those throws. Like he will throw it out of bounds or just go take the two yard run if he has to. But I like that. The problem is he still takes some hits. And if you're taking those hits now, you're Mm going to take them in the NFL. 
which just makes me, I, I know that I, I sound like this all the time and, it, but, but it's true. Like never draft a quarterback because you'll, you'll just be disappointed, but then you have to draft a quarterback because you're never going to get a good one any other way. Yeah. And listen, I get, I think the Josh Allen, that approach is kind of threading the needle for Buffalo um, that, that things worked out as wonderfully as they did there. But I do think you're onto something there with, you get the QB and build around him. The luxury of time that, let's say, I'm going to go one more time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. People are really very upset right now on the banks of the Three Rivers right now, dude, because they're not used to two and six, dude. But I do think this offseason, when they're finally aren't, when the cap is not their enemy this year, year two is going to be good because they're really going to have the ability to flesh out that roster, but good for the first time in forever. Um, so I do think that they will get to follow that model. Now, Josh Allen and Kenny Pickett are not pigskin doppelgangers. Um, but before we move off of college football, I do want to say that, uh, or, or these, uh, these power five teams, I should say, um, go listen to Staples and Wasserman chop up Michigan and Ohio state and their respective chances and what's going to happen in that game. Really insightful stuff there. Um, but regarding Power Five, is Deion Sanders coaching one of those teams at this time next year? I think if one of those teams is smart, he will be. But I don't know if anybody's smart enough to do that because I think they're really. You, know, you think somebody? You you think there isn't at least a program out there that that is taking think, a look at at Prime? I think Arizona Arizona State should be begging him to come. Yeah, right. Begging him because here's the thing: the worst thing that can happen if you hire Deion Sanders is you get a bunch of attention for a program that doesn't get it, get that much. I'm talking about Arizona state here. I think mm-hmm. Auburn's a different animal. Cause I, I think, I don't think Deion want to deal with, with some of the metal, some boosters there. And, and at Auburn, you do, you got to go against Nick Saban and Kirby smart for recruits. Deion wouldn't be afraid to do that. The question is what, would, would he hire the right staff to be competitive on the field in the SC? And maybe he would because the staff he's hired at Jackson state, very good. Like they, they beat the crap out of people. And it's not just because they have better players. You know, they, they haven't had enough time to build up that prohibitive of a, of a roster advantage. They, they're just playing really well. And he's hired people who are very smart. Now, but like, let's say an Arizona State level program, you hire Dion, you're automatically getting more attention. Dion is going to get you NIL money because Dion is going to be able to convince people in the community, convince national companies who want to do business with him to help fund that. And the other part of it is he's going to go get good players. He's not afraid to take on anybody in the recruiting world. I mean, you saw he gets Travis Hunter, who was the number one recruit in the whole country and, and convinces him to come to Jackson state. Well, guess what? When Dion walks in, Dion can walk into anybody's living room. Like Dion's name opens any door in recruiting. And that's not like Nick Saban's does because he produces first rounders. Ryan Day, if he calls, you're absolutely talking to him, Dabo Sweeney, because they all produce a bunch of first rounders. Arizona State hasn't produced a bunch of first rounders. But if Deion Sanders calls you from Arizona State, you're you're talking to him. You're at least listening. You're hearing the pitch. I agree with you. I wonder if ASU specifically feels burned by the Herm experience that that's that was two kind totally of totally different card. situations and i get it but i wonder if that that felt like something that was intended to draw attention to the program a little bit and that didn't exactly yeah but, but her coached it her coached it like a, a 1990s to early 2000s nfl coach that was his style of play it was like can we get out of here with a with a 13-6 win 
that it doesn't work in college football right now. Mm. Dion understands um, what works. Last uh, last thing for you, because I've really enjoyed watching as as someone who is an enthusiast about food related matters. I, I've enjoyed your participation in such conversations and you've really become a go to source for a lot of people about important food related things. Um, we had a we had a kerfuffle here uh, okay. a few months back about uh, uh, about breakfast meat, specifically okay. sausage. I'm, I'm mm. strongly a link guy. Okay. Um where do you come down? Because, you know, you're deep south and I yep. know you like your, you know, there's uh, there, there's some really good Bojangles as a, for instance, delicious breakfast. And, you know, yep. you might go sausage patty there. How say you? OK, so I think it's situational. I think if you if you are just eating sausage, you're going to go link. You want it in its purest form. But if you're putting it on a biscuit, you need the flatness of the patty. Because you can't really Do put you? the link on a on a biscuit. I mean, you could. I mean, cut you have it in a knife half. at your house, right? You could cut you, it in you, half. You just splay it. You splay the wiener mm-hmm. out like this, and you then you know it, the it's nice and flat you. too. It's going to work out just fine. No, for you, it doesn't. The bites don't come out quite right. You just don't get the evenness. Like I want, I want a perfectly even. I want the right ratio of biscuit to sausage yeah. to cheese to egg, and you can only get that from a patty. So that's. That's my reasoning. Put the put the patty on a biscuit, but I don't want to be fork and knifing a patty and just eating that. That's no fun. Yeah, well, that's the point. I mean, well, just order a hamburger then. That's all it is. It's a patty. The sausage is by well, definition a listen. link, and you need the snap of you need the snap of the encasing and everything, Check. even if it's already been cracked by a knife before oh. your teeth. Let me you let still you get in on a little snap, friend. Let me let you in on a little secret that we Southerners have that we do well, we do a lot of things food related better than everybody else, but uh this one is particularly better. The sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Eh. Country fried steak, egg, and cheese biscuit. Hmm. Wah. Okay. See, you just upgrade your breakfast meat, and then we, you don't even have to argue about it. Okay. All right. I'm not going to push back on that. Last thing, then. Um, don't mean to put you on the spot before we broom you. I like to celebrate, you know, listen. I, I, a bone-in ham is a, mm-hmm. is as delicious as uh, you know, but people have known that. This is that a family for, function? This is a this is well, no, no. You know, listen, okay. People have known certain uh, culinary pleasures for a thousand years at yeah. least. I like to celebrate the ones, and people might be surprised by this as an old school fella. Um, I like the Envy Apple, although update Envy Apple twenty twenty two, the dynasty in the fruit world is not having a good year. And I, oh. I've said too much already. I don't want to open up a controversy this close to the Shecky Awards. I'm not saying the Envy isn't still the front runner, but there is much like college football 2022. You cannot just go chalk here and assume victory. This is all I'm going to say about it. My question for you is, I celebrate salt salt on uh, the, the kosher salt on dark chocolate. I celebrate Ooh, yeah. the smoothie. I, I don't think smoothies existed before I walked the planet Earth. Um, and yet they're delicious. What is the greatest food invention in the span of your life? Oh, that is such a good question. What's new, oh, you know? That's what I'm trying to think about. Did the waffle fry exist before I lived? I, I was find born it in hard 78. to believe it would have. No, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, I was born so. in 78. I'm a, I'm a big waffle fry fan, so I, I might have to go with that. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other any other, you know, because all the, the various ways to eat pizza – 
rolled up stromboli all that that, that existed that's not new. yeah yeah um, you know what i don't think existed were breakfast scrambles it was an omelet uh, or it was separated on your plate for you it's like the the, the bulky man breakfast was like all yes. that but like getting them all chopped up and mixed together but not you know, in in, in like a, a folded piece of paper. I'm off the omelet in favor I, of the scramble. The, scram, the scramble is a lot better because the egg texture is much better. You're That's not right. forcing yourself into just having that flat because you, well, well I got to get That's it. That's right. It's a evenly. scrambled egg. It's and ironically, it's called a scramble, but in the omelet, it's a scrambled egg. But when it's a scramble, you can have it over easy if you want. Exactly. No, I, I'm with you there. The other thing I was thinking about, and I, I do think this probably existed, but I don't know that there were restaurants dedicated to it. Now there are quick, you know, quick serve casual restaurants that are dedicated to this idea. The chopped salad. Where hmm. All of the ingredients are placed in the bowl and then you you bring in the the cutting tool and you're chopping everything up. And so that each forkful is a perfect mix of everything in right. the salad a little bit of a hard-boiled egg in there mm. if you please a little red onion to go yes. along nicely there yeah you're you're absolutely right about that you know what else the expanded reality of milkshakes you know <laughs> baskin robbins you know they, they made all sorts of hay when i was growing up because they had 31 flavors now we've breezed past 31 flavors of good ice cream places they have more than that but but specifically you know it was hard to find a place that would whip you up a mint chip shake but now, you know, you go in anywhere. You're, you're not doing your job if, if you're sticking with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Um, so listen, the point is these are heady days for food enthusiasts and college football enthusiasts and one-stop shopping for both of those groups. Hopefully there's a healthy overlap. I think he's proving there is one based on his success. Thrilled for it. One of the good guys in, uh, in sports media. Andy Staples, thanks so much for the time, Pally. Thank you, Sheck. I appreciate it. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right there, Eddie Spaghetti. What, did, what was your big takeaway from uh, Staples there? Uh, maybe with, with the food or the college football because down going Whatever. through my head. What, 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 what did I see that was invented in my lifetime? I mean, my quick yeah. answer just being from Staten Island, New York, they do a lot of rolls, um, like chicken rolls, where it's basically just – it's like pizza dough, but you put – stuff inside of it wrap it up and sometimes you could dip it in sauce it's full of cheese uh, that i just feel like was not around 
you know. You know what? I you just said when you said New York, I I don't know how this wings wings didn't happen a hundred years ago, right? Especially Probably not, even in my lifetime. Especially not boneless. I just like I actually remember like when they started promoting boneless wings at like your you know Buffalo Wild Wings places like that. I was like boneless. Like how do you get boneless wings? And that they became the hit because people don't deal with the bones. That's definitely a new invention. That's very recent. Well, that's for sure. But people are weird about the boneless wings thing because they get caught up in the name. And I I get it. It's not a wing, but it's sort of like I don't care. I've moved on from the belly aching about pineapple on pizza. Um, If you like it, okay. let's just not call it pizza, though, because it's not that's not what it is anymore. That's the same sort of thing. It's, it's if they had their own name, we would appreciate the boneless wing more. But curmudgeons like the bellyache. Like that's not that's just a chicken finger. Okay, mm-hmm. tastes good though, right? When it's got the good sauce on it. So so what are we getting caught up with? Um, last couple things, uh, spaghetti. So you're in Seattle, yes. As we speak here, as we say, tough loss for you. Where do you come down on your Giants and what is proving? And by the way, I, I do have to shout myself out here a little bit. I told you that the commies ain't jive. I told you that they're playing a little bit better and they needed to get Carson Wentz out of there, even though he delivered the first win in their little win streak here. But also Brian Robinson gives them something that, and, and it, the way the NFL's tracking this year, you get a banger like that in the backfield. He makes them a different team as well. Um, but I, I'm not getting caught up in the commies. They're not going to end up winning the division, but how say you about your giants in the second half of the season remaining optimistic, at least the playoffs for you. Uh, I mean, optimistic, sure. I mean, anything that happens this season, unless they lose literally every single remaining game, would be optimistic just because of what the expectations were and how uh, good they looked. Uh, the Giants have always struggled in Seattle. I know they did win that game with Cole McCoy a few years back um, versus Russ when he was still there. Uh, I thought they could win this game. Um, I did pick them to win. Obviously, something happened in this game that has not happened all season long, which was special teams turnovers. When Rich- Richie James gives up two offensive possessions by fumbling punts. That's that changes a lot. He also not him, but on another return, they lost about forty yards of field position due to a pretty miserable uh, penalty. Uh, they called a uh, uh, personal foul, which I, I think they misnumbered the guy. But it was it was pretty weak. Jerome Boger not have a great game. Um, so you lose you lose forty yards in one possession, one drive. You lose the the ball twice. Um, that could have been the difference in the game. But Sal's a tough team. They run the ball really well. Obviously, when Lockett and DK Metcalf played, that was a, a bummer for Giants fans. But um, tough environment. And, you know, I did not expect them to go 16 and one best part. They have the bye coming up. They have the Texans. They have the Lions. They should get a few wins there. They do have uh, the Commanders twice, too, which I still think the Giants should win both of those games. So a lot of winnable games left on this on this um, schedule. But um, all in all, you can't really complain at all. Six and two is, is phenomenal. That's exactly right. That's the bottom line. Have some perspective, everybody. You didn't expect to be at this spot. Same goes for you, Seattle fans. No one's disrespecting you. It's just surprising. That's all. Nobody thought Geno Smith was going to go in there and do it. You don't need to hit up social media to let everybody know that uh, that we're being disrespectful to your team. It's surprising, obviously, that Geno Smith is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and the Seahawks are one of the best stories going. I When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, like Jerry Orbach and they had a dirty dancing. Um, all all right, we'll try to figure it all out and be better for you by the next episode when we'll have Kevin Hench on board for us for our Thursday episode of Minus 3. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out all the great shows on the Extra Points Network and getting in there playing with us against us, extrapoints.com for the upcoming NFL Pick'em for 
the upcoming week, of course. And until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Andy Staples and everybody at the Extra Points Network, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.